0: Inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook.
1: A show about accessibility. Advocacy. And equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie.
0: And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. Outlook. Radio Western
1: good Monday morning everyone how's everyone doing
0: everyone uh, well meeting myself I'm uh, I'm <laughs> well, doing
1: you're the one I can, I'm staring right at right now so <laughs> sure right
0: well the listeners out there we, we would ask you to answer but uh you can't talk on the air unless you're in the studio or you call in but uh, anyhow I'm doing uh, pretty good it's a it's a Monday morning but been up got up pretty early today just after uh, 7 a.m so you know got quite a bit of stuff done but didn't have to rush around too much, which is always good. I, I tend to sometimes fall into that where I'm rushing in the mornings and you know all about it, care being my sister and, and all the stuff you put up with with me sometimes, so.
1: <laughs> we put up with each other, but thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope everybody's going to have a great week ahead. Uh, yeah, we're just getting back into it here, busy week ahead, but uh, today we got a guest again and we're back live in studio.
0: Yeah, actually, that's one quick thing I will mention that it's our first time back in studio since, well, for this show, since October 3rd, so care. Okay, it's been like, over a month and a half pretty much here, and I don't know, it feels good to be back uh, live doing this show, and uh, back live for everyone here nearing the end of November. But uh, as you said, we do have a guest today, and I'm really uh, really excited about this one. Actually, we'll get into here how we met originally, but I'd like to just jump right in and say welcome to Outlook, uh, Kyle Kuyper. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, I don't know how much you remember, but uh, it wasn't, you know, time these days is sort of all over the place, but it was just over a year ago, back in uh, early July in, in 2021 at the National Federation of the Blind convention, the virtual convention at the time, and they have what's called the virtual presidential suite, which is a really great place just to drop by and uh, talk to random people. You're just thrown into a room with a bunch of people, and it's, it's a really neat sort of thing, and uh, sort of connected there and had a nice chat and have kept in touch since a little bit over facebook and online so it's been great to kind of keep in touch and uh yeah really appreciate you joining us today this is, this is exciting
2: yeah i would it was exciting mark president mark ricobono asked me to be one of the guest hosts in the presidential suite and it's a it's a wild free-for-all in there if you remember i mean just anyone that <laughs> wants to especially in the virtual world i've never hosted one in the at, in-person convention i was the virtual one was kind of wild because you've got all these people coming in and out and you're trying to stay in tune with who all's in the room and recognize
0: each of them and made, made a lot of friends in that room. I bet. And you're a very talkative guy, easy to talk to. And I think, like you say, it's also sometimes I find, like, do you find when you were doing that, you kind of tried to, because you want to include everyone, but some people are quieter than others and then some people end up talking a lot. And sometimes it's like, oh, you want to give this person just joined? <laughs> like, how are you doing today to try to keep oh. things moving? and
1: Let somebody get a word oh, yeah, in the, here. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah there was there was definitely some
2: dominant personalities in there and this i'll tell you one that was very interesting was this little quiet voice that said hello and i kept saying who, who is that who is that and he said oh i'm 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 so and so and he talked real light and had a weird speech pattern and i was like who who is this you know I'm, I'm a rehabilitation counselor so part of my life is also pulling things out of people getting them to talk and 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 this guy said Oh, I'm from Tennessee, and I'm a I'm a motivational speaker, and I was like, "Yeah, I bet you are," and and you know, I kind of blew him off. Well, turns out he is an extremely famous HK <laughs> Derryberry. He's a famous motivational speaker. He just sounded so quiet. You know, he's a, the the gentleman that has the perfect memory. He can remember everything that he's ever learned.
3: Oh, he's
2: wow. uh, there, there's only like a dozen of them in the world that they've studied. Like if you tell him I was born on this date, he can tell you what day of the week it was, no matter what year it was. Um. He's an interesting guy over in the Nashville area that wrote a book.
1: Well, maybe in that moment, he just wanted to be part of the group. He didn't want to be speaking much because that's what he normally does. He just wanted to hang out and quietly be there. Yeah.
2: I did that judgment thing that always gets you in trouble. I was like, yeah, I bet you're a motivational speaker. Turns out he's a very, (laughs)
0: very popular motivational speaker. Well,
1: I mean, that term is sort of thrown around all over the place. You never know.
0: Yeah, you never know how legit some some people are sometimes when they say that, but it's uh, always interesting what you do (laughs) learn and... And uh, yeah, that's a that's a really neat to experience. I'm sure to to get in there and be the host because you would meet so many people. I just dropped by a couple of times, but yeah, that's really well. Funny. You you
2: got me started. You ta- started talking about the Canadian Federation, uh, and yeah. you taught me a lot in that conversation. And I started doing my own research, and I was like, oh wow, I didn't know anything about you know the dynamics up in Canada of, of how the you know organized blind are up there.
1: Yeah, I think it's fascinating to think of like the World Blind Union and how different countries. Um, we had our guest last week from who was born in South Africa. So we were just discussing a few of the similarities or differences that there are, and you know, she, they haven't been in that in that uh, country for a long time. But you know, so things have changed. I'm sure since they were younger. But you just you think about blind people in other countries and how they're doing, and I th- I, at least I do.
2: Yeah, I, I attended university in uh, England. And so it was right. a, it was different being a blind student in England. It was really there were only two of us from the United States at the time that were blind students. and uh, she and I are extremely tight brother and sister we call each other because it was a free-for-all trying to figure out how to be blind in another country and attend university at the same time. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, we had a guest she, she, on the show a while back who who went to school there at um, I guess the only one that teaches blind people to be um, physical, physical therapists, physical mm. therapists. Um, Wow. So, yeah, Ruth wrote a book that we reviewed on the show there who talked a whole about sort of that other country and what it was like to just be thrown in. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's an adjustment for anyone to go off to school, even if you're in your own country. Like for me, even coming, Mm -hmm. you know, 45 minutes to London, Ontario (laughs) to go to school was an adjustment. But yeah, uh, another country, but it's uh, exciting. It's exciting.
2: All the foreign students were told to go to this one meeting area on the campus to have a speech, tell us how to be foreign students, I guess. And uh, and uh, I was walking up the sidewalk and this girl heard my accent. She said, hey, are you, uh, you're American, right? And I said, well, I'm a Texan. That's close. And uh, and she said, uh, she's from Chicago, so she didn't uh. really get the joke. And and <laughs> she said, uh, well, I'm visually impaired. Could you tell me what that sign says over there? And I said, sister, of all the people on this street, you asked the absolute wrong person. <laughs> And <laughs> so we've, we've been very good. She lives out in Boulder, Colorado, working at the University of Colorado now. Wow. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Well, we'll talk about travel in a, a few different ways throughout the show, I'm sure. It's one of my favorite topics, even since the pandemic, when things are thrown into disarray, but it's still an interesting topic. And it uh, sounds like from what we've been reading about you, you've been to all seven continents.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Even, even made it down to Antarctica for a week.
1: Oh, that's the one I want to talk about, because I uh, <laughs> I love the pristine environment that, that is down there so it's nice when it's not totally invaded by human.
2: Yeah, that's the one being place somewhere that yeah. being somewhere that no other human has been as Almost. far as we know and, uh, is yeah. the is penguins a wild outnumber thing the your, people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, penguins and leopard seals and orca whales were mm-hmm. everywhere. Wow.
0: <laughs> but yeah, speaking of of travel and and the world and and countries and all this stuff so for our listeners, and uh, I've—I already know—but it's—it's so so cool. Like, where are you calling in from today? I know you said you're originally from from Texas, but you're not currently living in Texas.
2: No, I'm I'm uh, in West Arkansas now. These days, uh, we've you know I've worked I worked for the government as a counselor in my day job, and so I've moved around. I've been in Idaho, Pennsylvania, Florida. And then uh, I grew up partially in Arkansas. So it was kind of coming back here where I grew up and had family and children here. Um, And then my wife is a Choctaw tribal member, uh, the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. So we live on the Oklahoma-Arkansas border. So she can run across to her tribe and attend her health clinics and things like that. And so um, I'm in a little town called Boonville, Arkansas, which I never heard of in my life until uh, there was a position here. (laughs) So... Hmm. Right next to Oklahoma, very close to Oklahoma, near Fort Smith, Arkansas, a historic place, Fort Smith.
1: All right. Well, I'm always interested to learn about different parts of, of the world, so I'll, uh, I'll look some of that stuff up. And um, But, yeah, you, you did mention Texas, so how long were you actually living there?
2: I, I was born in uh, Lubbock, Texas. My father was a rehabilitation counselor. Both my parents were blind.
3: Oh, okay. And uh,
2: my, my father was a state of Texas rehabilitation counselor and my mother was a rehabilitation teacher taught a uh, home management and independent living skills wow, and exactly, uh, in your blood
1: um, in many ways
2: yeah 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 in our family we're at least six generations of blind people because we have we have rp we all have retinitis pigmentosa and it, it seems like a very strong dominant thing in our family my sister's the only person that's not blind so she's the designated driver for about ten thousand people <laughs> um <laughs> but I was born in Lubbock and lived there for about three, almost four years. And we moved to Dallas. My father had received a promotion and we moved to Dallas. But the first night we moved to Dallas, he died. Uh, he had a heart, a okay. heart attack. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so um, I ended up growing up. With my mom's family in Little Rock, Arkansas, and with my dad's family in South Texas in a little town, a little oil town, Sweeney, Texas, and so during the summer I would be in South Texas being indoctrinated as a Texan, and then I would get sent back to Arkansas for school and get unindoctrinated and reindoctrinated to be an Arkansas person, so. So, And they, they were enemies in sports at the time. Texas and Arkansas did not like each other. And so they would send me down with Razorback clothes on from Arkansas. And then they'd send me back with Texas Aggie clothes from Texas.
1: You didn't get beat up a lot, did you?
2: Yeah, a lot. I, <laughs> Yikes. I was like, leave me alone. I'm just a poor kid. All
1: right. I'm just trying to go to school and see family. And- uh, no
2: doubt. It was a rich upbringing, though, because my, my mother, we did not have very much money. And we lived in a poor part of Little Rock. But my family in Texas had quite a bit of money, so during the summer, I would live this one lifestyle as a kid with money, and we would travel to crazy places all over the world. And then I would come back and be a poor kid during the school year and not tell anybody where I went for summer because I didn't want to get beat up, you know? <laughs> mm. So, where'd you go this summer? Oh, I just went to my grandparents' house. I wouldn't tell them I went on a seven-night cruise around the Hawaiian <laughs> I islands. just
1: went fishing. Yeah. I didn't. Go, I went Hawaii to fishing, but I, yeah, I went
2: fishing. Yeah, yeah. I went, I went to a golf course with my uncle. I didn't tell him I was at Casa de Campo in, in on the Dominican Republic. You know, mm. <laughs>
0: <Wow>. <laughs> that's so interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing for sure that that really started like piqued your interest into travel because you were doing that from from such a long time, like from yeah. I often the say with, with me
1: that my grandparents were big travelers and they took us some places and there were traditions in that. And my parents, the same thing. They they just believe showing us more than just our little slice of the world is very beneficial and worth mm-hmm. it and obviously the family experience that, you, that we've had in, in those times but just yeah the way it, it broadens your, your horizons because you
0: know you do here and of course obviously some of it has to do with the opportunities or that some people are more, have the advantage to travel yeah of course other,
1: there's some privilege in it but for at sure. the same
0: time it's there, you do hear a lot of people that say they've barely left, you know, within a couple of hours, or they haven't left their country mm-hmm. at all, or even their state or their province, or in Canada or wherever it may be. Yeah. And it's, it's it's kind of unfortunate because you really do, and I'm sure you know so much about this, but you really do just gain so much experience and so much. It just changes your perspective in so many ways to be able to travel and, and get different experiences in, in so many uh, places around the world. It's it's pretty. Uh, oh yeah, pretty absolutely. Amazing. I've been to
2: 51 countries now so um my wife's ahead of me she's been to 53 so <laughs> i don't know why she's why she's why she's trying to beat me out like that but, yeah i don't know how she got ahead uh, of you there but uh she would sneak out on trips was because i still have this government job and so i may not <laughs> be able to get away and she's like bye I see you you're and tied she to the state takes off and she's yeah like, she just goes and gets on a ship in the southern caribbean and leaves me here to work you know mm. uh, but yeah it was, it was travel was a big deal. You know. I, In my family, our blindness doesn't really take hold until our late 20s. So in my first career, I was a paramedic. Uh, I was a firefighter. I was a paramedic for 10 years. And uh, during that time when I was working in in EMS, I would get away and travel. I would just get away because you have to. That's a rough rough world. And uh, I would go down to New Orleans and get on a cruise ship and just go out on a cruise. And so I became really addicted to cruising. I went on my first cruise when I was 14, when my grandparents took me on that one in Hawaii. And <laughs> a I just good started one to start now. with. <laughs> yeah. Make. Uh, yeah. 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 And my wife still has not been to Hawaii, and she's holding that over me all the time. It's like, when are we going to Hawaii? When uh, are we going to Hawaii? I'll meet you so, there. I think I, next summer.
1: I really like to go to Hawaii. Um, I think next
2: summer, I think we're going to try to get over there next summer. Nice, But um, yeah, so I just traveled a lot. And and, and like you said, it became a, an addiction of sorts, because I like to go experience different cultures and different people. And, and I obviously don't have a problem with talking. And so wherever I'm at, you know, when I was attending university in England, you know, it's so funny because my wife came over and my son came over and lived with me for part of the time I was over there. Oh, that's nice. And because uh, I was, I turned 30 in England because it was after my first career and when I went back to college. Right. And so they came over and we didn't have any money. I put myself back on social security while I was in college. And so all I had was this little government check. But we somehow managed to travel. We would just, like, we saved, like, basically these little stamps out of the Sun newspaper over there to get a 39-pound return flight on Ryanair so we could go to Ireland, you know. And and we found this bus tour so we could go to France, but we were riding with 50 people in this bus who, who we didn't know. Mm-hmm. and 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 they got mad at us because we we're the only three Americans. and so we, everybody oh. had to wait for us to go through the customs. and so it caused the bus <laughs> to get held up at both ends of the trip. <laughs> these really stupid Americans are causing us to miss our trip. <laughs> but we did we, we found that you don't have to have money to travel. you just just gotta go, you know and yeah, make it we're, work we're for you m- when you can so. mm-hmm. We're such minimalist travelers. It's funny. We'll show up and everybody will go, where's your luggage? And we're like, oh, this is it.
0: Right. Where
2: are your suitcases? These, we got one little pulley bag in our backpacks. Yeah, I hate, it for, two weeks. For,
0: for me personally, I really don't like the idea of having to check a bag on a plane and then especially these days, but any, no matter when, it's just like then you have an extra thing to wait for and it, it just causes more headaches occasionally if it get, does get lost. I like to have a carry-on and you know, one thing to put up above my head in the, in the, in the uh, compartment mm-hmm. there, but that's it because it is nice <laughs> not to have to lug a ton <laughs> of stuff around we
2: were on one of Royal Caribbean's newest ships, the Odyssey of the Seas last spring. And our room steward was one of the senior, more experienced room stewards. And he came in and he laughed and he said, you're travel agents, aren't you? And I was like, how did you figure that out? Cause I thought, you know, blind, they don't always think a blind person's gonna be a travel agent. Uh-huh. And he goes, he goes, because you have no luggage. He's a guy from India. He goes, you have no luggage. He says, you have to be in the travel business because only travel people travel so light,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know?
2: And he, I said, what's the most luggage you've ever seen? he said, but like, 11 or 12 suitcases for a couple you know <laughs> yeah it makes you think That's of so the cool. old
1: in, in olden, olden times when they like have their trunks and the rich you know people yeah, with steam,
2: a steamer case remember they called it like a steamer case or something steamer like trunk,
1: that
2: yeah yeah, pack the trunks trunk, right. like on
1: the Titanic
2: <laughs> yeah
1: luckily yeah, your boat the, rides have been more successful than that one
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been, people ask us how many cruises we've been on. It's funny because we count countries and stuff, but we never ever have, we don't know how many we've been on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know. You lose track, it? Yeah. It's know. well, we go on some that are just one-night things where it's a, right. a, a brand-new ship, and they'll ask us if we'd like to go on it, and we'll go on a two-night thing on a brand-new ship just to check it out. And then we've been on 16- and 18-night cruises over in the Mediterranean and down in Antarctica and South America and uh, it's, that's the great perk of being in the travel industry is that you can travel you know it's it's not always free or cheap you but still pay work, what other right? people pay yeah, yeah it ties into yeah, the it's job for work reason, and but, yeah. that's a hard thing to tell people too well we're actually working while we're on the ship sure you are no okay. we actually are working we, we turn our cabin into an office you know we pull out the laptops and set them up and you know we're connected through the un- unlimited Wi-Fi on the ship and you know, we might be sitting on our balcony in Aruba, but we're still working. Well, know? a lot of
1: people these days travel and work on the road so that they can move around or they can see parts of the world. They wouldn't see if they were in a, you know, behind a cubicle, if they can help it. So,
2: mm-hmm. yes, yeah, and my, I get back to work as a rehabilitation counselor and I always go, this isn't as fun as my other job. I like my other job.
1: <laughs> Necessary, but yeah, not quite as good glamorous sounding. So would you say cruises are, because I've heard a lot of blind people specifically going on them recently, and is it is it a good thing, like, depending on the size of the ship for sure, but just to, you might start to learn where to go and maybe you feel more free? Um,
2: well, it's, it's the ultimate... All inclusive you know course, because yeah. you 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 pay one price and you get on it they've started coming up with some nickel and diming ways of costing a little bit extra here and there on the cruise lines but but it's really the all-inclusive yeah. safe travel for for any person but for a blind person we've taken so many groups and a large portion of our clientele are blind people now i mean my wife is not blind yeah, but not she surprised. has way more she has more way more blind friends than she has sighted friends and and uh, um, they, they love it because you get on the ship. Yeah, you got to find your way around, but wherever mm-hmm. else you would travel, you still have to find your way around. Yeah. And the crew are so highly trained. There's no level of, of courtesy training like these crews on the ships. Mm-hmm. And so they they immediately want to help you. They overhelp you, actually. They kind of want to help you all the time. But they do that to other passengers, too. So I always tell the blind folks, don't, don't get too take off your advocacy right, hat for a minute, right. chill out. You know, they're, they're, right. they don't think you're dumb. They just are supposed to help you. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but you are, all your food is there, all your restaurants, all the bars, all the activities, the swimming pools, the nightclubs, the plays, the dance shows, the bands. Yeah. And it's all in between the rails of the ship. And so you don't have to cross any streets. You don't have to learn any routes just go around the ship and years ago we used to have an older gentleman who's not with us anymore who would go on cruises with us back years and years ago and we would just spot him all over the ship and we were like what are you doing Jack and he's go. Oh, I'm just, he's from way up in North Arkansas. And he's like, oh, I'm just standing here looking at all the people walk by. And then we'd walk, go to another part of the ship and there'd be Jack again. He's this big six <laughs> foot four blind guy. And we're like, How did you get here? And he's like, Oh, he's totally blind guy. He's like, Oh, I just wandered down here. I met this nice lady and she walked with me down here. And he was a ham radio operator. And he got, he somehow found the communications officer on the ship and got them to agree to let him go up on top and use his ham radio while we were out in the Caribbean. Ooh. And I was <laughs> wow. like, we're this is this is a, watching my clients and my friends on cruises is so enjoyable, you know, to have a blind guy go, man, I can't believe I've got a room on that big ship right there as I'm just looking at that big, beautiful ship. And then he walks away and then a couple of sighted people came over and they said, I thought that he's blind. And I went, yeah, yeah he's totally blind well, he just said he saw the ship. And I'm like, he's, vi- he's just visualizing the ship. Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a
2: word we still use, even though it's-, uh, it's Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we actually use that word. It's a pretty common word. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so much so much we can talk about. I just, I think, so just briefly then, so you'd mentioned that the, the blindness in, in your situation, sort of in uh, your family and stuff, sort of catches up a bit as you get a bit older so in the younger years when you were a paramedic and stuff like that how was your vision at that point and and sort of how did that I mean obviously blindness like we (laughs) say is just a characteristic it's not something we focus on all the time but it's obviously still important to talk about on this show and then just also I I was reading I don't even think I realized this but I saw on your social media you and speaking of travel you says 23 year deafblind cruise travel agent and I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about the the deafblindness so maybe if you could touch on that Mm -hmm. as well
2: yeah I have a less than 50% hearing, I'm completely deaf on one side and I have some hearing loss on the other. And uh, that is actually my biggest uh, barrier nowadays. Uh, Being blind is not a problem. I can deal with blind, it's the hearing loss which really causes me problems Um, because I have no directional hearing so I can't tell where sound comes from and you know as blind people you know so that sound is very important yeah I mean I was just crossing uh, a street
0: recently for the first snowfall here in Ontario Canada and I had my toque on and I was like oh I need to take this off like I lose my bearings if I have that covering my mm -hmm. ears so yeah I can exactly to in that
2: yeah and i i lost that hearing when i was uh, the one ear that i lost on the one side was from a meningitis when i was a teenager i was 16 oh, and uh um, i had an extremely high fever and passed out and, went, and had nerve deafness in that ear could have been a lot worse i mean I, I lost patients as a paramedic from the same meningococcal meningitis so right, yeah. you know, it could have been a lot worse but um um And then my vision was interesting because I was always myopic. I always had thick glasses as a kid. Got really good at fighting. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) The playground was pretty rough when you had those thick glasses on. So yeah. yeah, I, I learned to answer insults uh, the wrong way. Hey, uh, a lot of Irish in me. <laughs> a lot of Irish in me. I, I kind of would get in fights all the time. Okay. And uh, but I, I uh, uh, it's funny. I tell my friends, my brothers and sisters in the service and the fire service and EMS. I tell them, you know, do you know I was legally blind the whole time I was a medic? And some knew, very few knew, a very close group of my friends knew that I had some kind of vision problem. But what it was is I did have um, peripheral loss at the time and night blindness problems already and i i've basically faked it for 10 years and uh, this some of my rehabilitation clients are just mesmerized by this they're like but you tell us not to fake it and i'm like well i did it i was faking it so i know how we get through life sometimes and and i would i learned that the more rank you gain and the more credentials you gain the less you have to do things that involve your vision Hmm. So I moved up in rank extremely fast. I was probably the youngest captain in the state, um, and I, I I always carried a clipboard and always had some kind of credential. I was all these different certificates. I have an entire folder of certificates somewhere in my stuff of all these credentials. Because if you're in charge, you don't have to see things. You tell other people to go do stuff. Yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> and no I read a, I read a book about a Marine that that was a tank uh, driver or tank commander over in Iraq. And uh, mm-hmm. he he lost most his vision in a uh, in combat, and he came back and faked it for like two years, and that's what it was. He was like a gunnery sergeant, so he was this high ranking guy, and so he was able to just tell other people to do stuff, and nobody realized he couldn't see. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> so
2: I was I was that guy, and mm-hmm. by the end I. Um, I had moved in. I had, I'd finally decided it was. I had to move on. The thing that made me grow up and stop pretending that I was not going to go blind was I married my wife, and she had three children. And I it was like, I'm not a very good role model when I'm actually showing my kids that faking it is the way to live life. Mm. And so I decided to wrap it up, leave my first love, which was that field, and go back to college and get overeducated and become a counselor. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. It's it's really too bad that a lot of people still feel that way whether it's about their vision or you know something else you gotta fake it to get in somewhere and to, to not stand out and, and get people you know to draw attention to yourself and uh, and of course if that's something that you love doing I'm sure it wasn't easy at all to give that up but you find other well, you know, things the,
2: yeah one of the top questions in vocational rehabilitation when you're working with people with disabilities who are trying to get into their careers mm-hmm. is do I disclose do I let them know that I have a disability and you know and traditionally I've been doing this now for 20 years and and I um um, I traditionally would say no I mean if you can get away with it don't tell them because you need to get get in there and prove who you are to them you need to win them over but Mm -hmm. um some some other friends of mine just dis- dis- disagree with that you know uh, in the federation and the national federation of the blind there's a lot of uh, my friends that say no you need to just be blind and be proud of it as part of who you are you know and and i I, get, I it's totally depends on your situation at that moment really but you know i really do i mean i uh i didn't let them know when i transferred to this position i had to still interview with a regional manager to transfer to this location I didn't let them know now one of the other counselors trolled me on facebook and saw myself and my guide dog on there and she said this guy's blind and everybody said, now she's one of my best friends, and she tells me these stories. And she said, they said, no, no, he can't be blind. He, he, he wouldn't be a counselor. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can be a counselor and be blind. He's got a guide dog. And they said, no, maybe it's just a service dog of some sort. And I showed up and walked in the building with my guide dog, and they said one of the admin assistants went, he's blind, he's blind. Oh my. <laughs> uh, lucky for me, and I've had bad experiences with people in, within the field of re- rehabilitation, um, this manager did not care, freaked her out, but she didn't care. Um, She was like, hey, he's qualified. He's got a huge resume. He's got all these references, and he obviously knows what he's talking about. So let's get him in here. But I I did go to work in Florida one time, and they had two top-level people in the administration of the agency for helping people with disabilities call my manager and ask, why did you hire a blind person? A blind person can't be a counselor. And uh, so I've had those experiences before. So disclosing is a I don't know how we went down that topic, yeah, but it is
0: a, a common topic of all of us. It know? is. It so it's is. good
1: it's to get your perspective on that.
0: Absolutely. I think it is good that we touched on that. And I, I, I was thinking that before you mentioned it, of course, about the resume and what and when you do qualify somewhere. And it's, I think that's where things do get tricky. And, you know, of course, it's important to be proud of who we are and really not let that stop us. But in the same t- time, it's reality sets in sometimes and everyone's situation is different Different, and if you really want a position and you and you you get that feeling or it's just not for you to, to come out with that right away, like I can't totally disrespect that decision either because I do think we can't, we're not all the same we all have different experiences and different lives and we can't just sort of say a oh, one way fits all because it doesn't even though ideally we'd all love to be able to just come out with it right away and have no judgment and just go with it but it's not always that simple. Well,
2: it's also a test of did they read your resume because if you just read my resume it says chapter board member national federation of the blind of central arkansas board member national federation of the blind of arkansas you know i worked for the idaho commission for the blind i worked for the arkansas division of services for the blind there's a lot of blind in there you think you know man this guy really likes blind people you know well,
1: i've had career counselors talk about that before and uh yeah, I mean, even if even if you're known for doing advocacy work, like that word is a red flag to certain people. They're like, oh, that's that's going to be a, a person causing headaches. We don't want to deal with that, mm-hmm. right? So it's Troublemaker. like, yeah. <laughs> do do resumes get read all the way through, really, really clearly, or or do they get things get missed? But you know, the, the work that you do, I don't know. I don't know why people would still be freaked out, but yeah, the guide dog is a pretty big. <laughs> Giveaway.
2: <laughs> yeah, this guy's got a German Shepherd and it's got this big harness thing on it. What is that? Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is just flying by. We're coming up here on the halfway point of today's edition of Outlook. We're speaking with Kyle Kuyper, calling out of Arkansas today, 23 year deafblind cruise travel agent, also a rehab counselor. You've been to 51 countries, seven continents. So much to talk about, but I think now actually is a good time to take a quick break here on Radio Western and Outlook. And we will be right back after this with more of our discussion with Kyle Kuyper. Outlook on Radio Western.
1: Hello. Welcome back to the show on this Monday morning.
0: We are live in studio.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, before the break, we had a guest we were speaking with on the show today, Kyle Kuiper, who is a rehab counselor, a travel agent uh, with his wife. And yeah, you're in Arkansas, right? That's right,
0: yeah. mm-hmm. West, West Arkansas. Our mm-hmm. first guest calling in from West Arkansas, I believe. <laughs>
1: West Arkansas, <laughs> I
0: would say. <laughs> yeah, that's specific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I, if I get, yeah, well,
2: you know, it's almost Oklahoma, and right. when you say West yes. Arkansas, people in the surrounding states will go, oh, right. I know where that's, you know, it's it's not Little Rock, which is right in the middle of the state, or okay. the only place anybody's heard of in Arkansas, Little Rock. <laughs>
0: well, I did appreciate when I, when I invited you on the show here a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about that, that you did give a good geographical, and of course, with all the traveling and stuff, it's, you know, you'd be up on that, but it's, it, you know, I'm gradually learning, but here in Canada, you know, I have, I've been to a few states, but I definitely have never made it to Arkansas, and I don't... You know, geography can be tricky sometimes to keep track of everything, but it's great to get that information and start to visualize in my mind a little bit about uh, where you are, but.
2: A lot of people have passed through Arkansas going coast to coast because Interstate 40 passes right through the middle of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And so I've run I ran across people from other countries. When I was in attending university in England, there was a girl from London that came up and saw that I was wearing an Arkansas State University sweatshirt. And she said, She said, oh, I've been to Arkansas. And I was like, you have not been to Arkansas. She said, oh, yeah. And that's what she said she did is that she went to California and rented a car and drove all the way across the United States. And she took I-40. And so she came through Arkansas. To
1: say you've been there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. and, And she had been to 49 states. And I was like, "How did you do that?" She said, "Well, I was an exchange student, and I never went to class. I just traveled all over the country, and the only <laughs> state she missed was something like it was like Delaware or something. Like it was this one <laughs> random state she didn't make it to. That <laughs> was no, no, no. That's right. She had not been to Alaska or Hawaii, but she'd been to all the lower right. forty-eight except. For, mm. Yeah, and I've been up to Ontario. I've been well. I've been to Toronto, and um, I've been to British Columbia several times, uh, Victoria and Vancouver. Yeah, you were just in Victoria and,
0: recently, uh, right? So, like very recent. Mm-hmm,
2: yeah." Yeah, I was there um, beginning of uh, October
0: um, so in, on
2: Victoria Island, Yeah Vancouver it, it, Yeah, Vancouver
1: Island, Island's beautiful. We, I've been there once now, and Brian's been there a couple, couple of times. times though, yeah. and, uh, oh,
2: my, my tour guide was great. He was retired, 26 years Canadian Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, retired military guy, and he was so hilarious. I mean, he, it was just a great tour guy. We we rode around. We were in a double decker, but he and I kind of hit it off. And, uh, and uh, you know, I told him I was a paramedic, and he was like, "Oh, I was in the navy." And mm-hmm. oh man, he was fun. he was so proud of Victoria too. And, yeah, uh, evidently, it was a pretty lo- pretty large naval base there. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't yeah, know. I went. I just kinda...
1: went to the bookstore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we want to go to. Uh, we, we we're looking at a cruise. We want to go to Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island. Yeah. Um, and and uh, there's a lot more. Oh, we have a friend in Red Deer, Alberta, who keeps telling us to come up there. Hmm. And so we- have, Do you ever have ski? To to Alberta.
1: Have you ever skied?
2: No. No, never. And it was funny. I lived in Idaho. And there was skiing all around us. And we would take my son out, and he would snowboard and ski. But I mainly just hung out at the lodge and oh. drank hot chocolate or whatever else I, they would put in my hand. You know, I just- <laughs> I was, I was kind of—I survived my first career, so I sometimes pick and choose what things I want to do because I'm like, I'm, you know, like a cat. I think I'm eight lives are gone. I better be real careful with this last one. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I was choose, like, you, you go know. slide down the mountain and then come back to me. Let me know how that was. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks for coming on today again because. We're going to get into it in the second half here. Uh, we know you had a recent um, loss in your life. And before the break, we touched on the fact that you've had guide dogs. Um, and so you've recently, just recently, very recently, just lost one, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And she was my, my only guide dog I've ever had. Oh, okay. oh really?
1: Yeah. Okay, Us two, yeah. we've yeah, only, we each had one. We've so. each had
0: one, yeah. And it's been...
1: But you hear so many people who have had like six. Exactly. Yeah it's,
0: it's, yeah. it's hard for yeah. me to imagine. I mean, obviously, I'm still, you know, 35 and I have time, but I... It's not something that's top of mind yet. And I. it's yeah. not that I'll never get another. It's just I don't know. And it's been now, you know, just coming up on 10 years since mine passed away. And it's it's and, something and that. And
1: that's a question you get all the time from people cited so in other people. Yeah, when are you people. getting another one? When are, are you, you getting, getting another one? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. yeah.
2: So. It's a. It's, uh, yeah, and I, I the last time that um, Becky Cook from Fidelco Guide Dogs, uh, they're from Connecticut. But the last time she came through Arkansas, she stopped by and visited with me for a little bit. And Yuma, who was my my dog, uh, Yuma and I and Becky were sitting uh, talking, and she said, uh, "So you know, this is going to be my last visit because Yuma's getting pretty old, and we don't feel like there's a need to come visit anymore." And she said, "Are you going to want to get your name in the pot for a successor dog?" And I just mm-hmm. said, "No." And she said, okay, that's all I need to know. She goes, I'm not going to ask any more questions. And I said, no. And, uh, um, hmm. yeah, she she died last Thursday. So it's, uh, it's really rough. Oh. But anyway, uh, yeah. she, she was a German Shepherd. We were together for uh, 10 years. Yeah. Um, she was 12 and a half years old. She was still working. Wasn't really doing much guide dog work, but she still came to work every day at the office. Uh, she had a, her office mates. Uh, she hung out with the... People here at the office, uh, I work with high school students now. Uh, I have 12 high schools I work with, and she was so famous at the high school, so it's going to be hard on the kids.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and uh, she didn't really, you know, she was getting pretty old, but uh, she went out on her terms. She was fine one day, went to work, came home, ran a stray dog out of her yards, so and she was still a German <laughs> Shepherd. And, and she came in and played, played ball a little bit, and then sometime that next morning uh, something just went bad wrong and uh, but she was at her home with her family yeah and uh and so I had feared that long decline you know of of having a dog that can't walk or something like that so ultimately uh it was a good way to end the career for her and 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 and, um, so but I don't think you always say that I don't want another dog or I don't want who knows who knows what the future holds but I am a um, I'm a big fan of guide dogs, but it took me years to decide I wanted one. Well, that's I, what I was I thinking up.
0: too, is the fact that, yeah, that you you said you've only had the one and you are, you know, so I was I was mm-hmm. kind of curious about that. Like what in that time sort of made you just make that decision? Cause you didn't, you did go quite a while without one. So
2: I, I had my, nobody else in my family had a guide dog. I mean, everybody's blind, but no no guide dogs. And my mom always dissuaded didn't I said it's not good because she'd seen so many horror stories working in rehabilitation. She'd seen a lot of people that should not have been handlers and a lot of right, dogs that had not that been it. trained correctly. Yeah. And yeah, there's some sure. bad stuff out there, yeah. and and so she was kind of against it a little bit. And and I had pet Akitas. We had two Akitas that lived to 14 years old. We had these two big Akitas, and so we had those pets for years. And then they died, and I was like, "That's it, you know, <laughs> I, was, I can't deal with this." And then one day I was sitting. And i would helped a lot of people get guide dogs. I'd helped my clients uh, contact guide dog foundations, and I had helped as a counselor. I, would you know, funded some help with travel if I needed to, or I would connect them and write references for them and things. And one day I was sitting in my living room in Newport, Ritchie, Florida, and my, I was re- listening to an audio book, and I put my hand down, and I thought, well, it'd be kind of nice if there was a dog there. <laughs> and so I thought, well, maybe it's time. And so I, I knew I needed a German Shepherd because I was an Akita person. And I just, I, I love labs and golden retrievers. I mean, they're great dogs and I've had one before, but I'm just a German Shepherd type person. And, and we always say that to each other. The German Shepherd handlers always say, we're just kind of a different breed, you know, we're just different. And, and um it took a year, it took a long time. Fidelco uh, comes to you and trains where you're at. So they obviously nice. don't move the number of dogs that the other schools do. And so they came down and eventually they, they had this wild girl that they could not find a handler for because who could handle this wild child? I mean, this dog was <laughs> famous for breaking out of the kennels and she had a real attitude. She'll
1: chase you out of the and, yard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I joke with them all the time that I was I was such a rehab counselor that I would call all the time, go, hey guys, what's going on? You know, what wh- what are we doing? Why are we sitting on this? Aren't you moving my paperwork? Come on, let's mm-hmm. get it going. And I said, I made them so mad up in Bloomfield, Connecticut, that they had this one dog and they went, hey let's send that dog to that guy (laughs) and i mean i lost 25 pounds training with her that's how hard she was her favorite speed was 3.6 miles per hour which is running from i'm I'm 6.2 so i was able to keep up with her but you know i'm a former football player and all that stuff so i had the athlete in me and it was funny because people would have to run beside us to keep up with us Mm -hmm. and uh um, but she worked for four Government agencies. She went to on five cruises herself. Right. Uh, she went to five countries. Um, she even helped the police arrest a guy one time. <laughs> 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 the police were chasing a guy, and he was getting away. And this guy turned and ran toward my wife and myself. And Yuma was off duty that day. She was not on her harness, but I was in a suit with an ID. I had been to the state capitol that day, and these she, I, I had her on her long lead and this guy ran toward us and she turned and she alerted at this guy because he was running straight toward us and he saw this dog i guess he thought she was a police dog and he turned mm-hmm. and ran into a tree and fell down and all the police jumped on him <laughs> <laughs> so, so she got an assistant assist, assist wow. on an arrest wow. <laughs> <laughs> I told her if you had just barked and growled more as a as a puppy, you would have been a police dog because her two of her siblings were police dogs. Okay, yeah, Yeah, that's in the, in
1: the yeah I mean there. before we got guide dogs, you'd always hear that's the kind of that's the breed of a uh, the guide dog will be is German Shepherd, and so the school we went to was in Quebec. And we got them mm-hmm. before high school. And so it was a whole different experience. Each school's different. We haven't talked nearly enough about this stuff on Outlook uh, since we've been out of it, And the, I think that's at, it, at, yeah. We so long. get
0: out of the guide dog world, and of course we want to cover all topics on the show and, like, anything. It's just because it's something that we haven't experienced. No, and but- it's,
1: it's not like I'm... I, I have great memories with my guide dog, and it's just... It, it reminded me of it, because she wasn't a German Shepherd, but she had a very strong personality. They must have <laughs> seen a reason to give her to me, I guess, to help me get mm-hmm. get out there more or get moving faster. They do a good
2: job of matching. I guess They, they
1: do a good job. They did at the
0: yeah. school for sure. I mean, for me in my case, I just found that in comparison to your dog, it sounds like mine was almost the opposite. Uh-huh. Like, she was very meek and very shy and it worked okay like in high school because that's where we got them. As I said, as Carrie said, when we were 14, mm-hmm. which a lot of people were like, you're 14, you're getting a dog? But this was the one school that really assessed your skills and there were, you know, looking mm-hmm. back on it, I'm sure it was a traumatic in many ways for people, but there were a couple like that oldest people in both of the classes that we each were at didn't get their dogs and you know sometimes there was a 10 year old actually that got a dog in my class and they really assessed your skills and how independent how like well you traveled and your cane skills and all of this stuff but again like looking back on mine in some ways I feel like she was but it was also different because I was in a small town and then I moved to Toronto and she just didn't couldn't quite Handle it there with the big city, and but like you say, it is interesting how they match that uh, with the with the personality. But it
1: wasn't so easy. I couldn't just say, "Here, you can take Crush. She's she'll get you through Toronto streets." Yeah, I'll it doesn't take work that be. like that. No. You don't want it to, <laughs> no, and it doesn't work that
2: way. No, I don't have the same. Yuma's such a character. She's got such a world following, you know, because for <laughs> ten years she was on social media, yeah. and I've been I've received messages from Finland, Norway, Spain, France, mm-hmm. Ireland, Tasmania, Australia, Sydney, Australia you know, all these different, like Canada, I mean, and and it's cause of all these friends around the world that are like, they were following her all these years, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and she moved, you know, she's from Connecticut, but she trained, she trained and was fully trained when she came to Florida. And then they trained me, she and uh, a gentleman from the school trained me. Mm -hmm. And it was funny, we were going out to Honeymoon Island State Park, which is an Island there in the, the Tampa Bay area. And you have to go through a gate where there's a park ranger. And we pulled up, and the park ranger said, uh, "Oh, are you uh, training that guide dog?" And Pete Nowicki, who was my trainer, was a New Yorker. So we picked on each other—a Texan and a New Yorker picking on each other. He said, "He goes, no, the dog's trained. It's this guy we're trying to train." <laughs> and she moved everywhere. I mean, she she moved here. We we were in a, a large metropolitan area there, and then we lived in Little Rock, which is a capital city. So and we worked downtown, and she would just she was so good at uh, traffic and traffic uh, patterns. And uh, I used to joke with people on the workforce board in Little Rock. I'd walk in and they'd say, you know how people say, oh, turn to your right. I mean, you're left. I mean, you're right. You're left. Well, they would do that. And I'd go, you do realize my dog knows left from right, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, people do not un people really don't know what what role the guide dog actually plays. They they really Mm-mm. are confused by that. So, it is great oh, and we will talk about you're it. You're so lucky
2: you have that dog to take you around and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> she's actually a dog. She doesn't know where she's going. I have to give her commands."
1: Yeah. They, they they don't look at the light and then know when it's safe to cross whereas if we were without them, we we would totally not. <laughs> right? So, but people yeah, just don't she, know that. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a great it was a great run. Ten years. Um, I yeah. don't know if I'll ever have another guide dog. I'm 54. I just turned 54. I could, uh, I'll be working for many more years. Um, I just don't know.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But
2: it, it is it is good. And the guide dog community is a very nice group of people. Um, I enjoy. Knowing the National Association of Guide Dog Users, you know, Raul Gallegos is the president of that. He's a friend of mine, a guy down in Texas. And uh, just heard from him this morning, actually. He heard about her. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, Word uh, spreads fast. I like it. I'm glad I did it. It's part of the... You punch that card as a blind person,
0: yeah. you know had a guide
2: dog. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth...
0: Know. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like anything, it's not for everyone, and I wouldn't judge anyone if they didn't, never had one, but I do think it is worth a try. Like, so many things in life that it's worth trying, and, and again, it's like anything, though. It's it, like you talk so much about the... So many people getting them that don't have the skills, or the dogs aren't always trained well. Depending on the school, there's so many factors, and it it is unfortunate too Mm -hmm. when you do see that happening a lot. And and uh, it's uh, it's, it is quite the quite an interesting world that I've just I've been away from for so long. But it's and then again, yeah, the whole question about are you going to get another? And you know, I know so many people who who right away, even when they're they still have their other dog, they get another one. It happens so often, but other people, you do take time, and you just don't know really.
2: I I think a lot of them are. my friends that do that, they've had guide dogs ever since they, like you guys, were teenagers. And it was part of how they grew up to be blind. And so they just mm-hmm. automatically always have a guide dog. And when the dog starts getting old, it's time for another dog. Yeah, you
3: know, and of course. And I,
2: I admire them for their ability to do that because emotionally I could yeah. not do it. So they they have a, a way of, of sectoring that off in their emotions and to just this dog is my partner i have to work oh, my dog is getting old it's time for another dog you know right. and i have a friend out in the uh, wyoming i have some other friends that they they've had probably i mean she's not a very she's only in her 40s i mean she's probably on her seventh dog or something i don't know you know it's
0: like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard
2: to believe but it's
1: but you feel fun. like you you are on a team it is you know assuming that the partnership is a good one and so you you do you feel like you have a team partner right beside you just to go through a crowd with or Mm -hmm. down the street with and there is a certain uh, feeling when you're holding that harness and they are keeping a good pace and you're walking together and weaving through and just just getting somewhere without... Being stopped kind of the, by every obstacle because the guide dog is trained to, you know, weave around yeah. things that Right, a cane they're not taking
0: you to, you're not just giving the name of any single yeah. place and they're taking you there. But at the same no. point, the journey there, they, 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 they do. They can
1: look for doorways. Yeah, it's and a little more, yeah. it can yeah. be a bit a smoother sometimes. Take and longer to It's
0: find. all what you're used to, you know, I, since I've, I haven't have had the dog for quite a while now and moving to Toronto and getting used to the cane and, and stuff. I, I'm pretty good with the cane and navigating, but I almost forget what it's like with the dog. But I do remember mm-hmm. that you can get a certain speed. And I, you know, I had my first one, when I was 14. I definitely walk a lot faster than I did then. Like, no. I do wonder what it would be like now to have it. So it, it crosses my mind. That, but it's...
2: That weaving is one of the greatest experiences of being a guide dog handler. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, where well, you feel like you're a Formula One racer and you're going through this, you know, this S curve, you know, because you, you're like, what did we just go around? But she, whatever it was, she, she <laughs> saw this person or something and we go, boom, 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 passed it. You know, and that's what they, when you're training to be a handler, trust the dog. And trust it, the dog. Well, yeah, we trust you know? them
1: exactly. You have to, or it's not going to work. And not everybody is really um, able to do something like that. But I, Brian and I talk all the time about some of the trials and tribulations of using a cane instead that people... You know, shrink away from it because who wants to get like tripped by a long stick? But at the same point, <laughs> the cane is supposed to tell us when there's something there. And so it's mm-hmm. really hard to, to, yeah, we had that discussion recently about when, when way. you're
0: walking with a cane and you're like close to someone or you, it looks to somebody like you're going to run into them. People are like, oh, watch out. You're, you're going to run into But it's like, no, my cane will is supposed to let me know. Mm-hmm. I mean, of, of course, I c- can kind of get that reaction, but at the same point, it's frustrating sometimes because yeah. we do just want to fit in and then that ends up bringing more attention to the situation. But, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so you're you're about to hit a wall. Well, I would have known that because <laughs> this this stick thing I'm holding was going to tell me that. Yeah, I don't the, hold, I don't yeah. hold it
1: for just fun, but yeah.
2: We we were get we were uh, we were on a cruise last year as a bunch of blind folks. It was a fundraiser for the Maryland NF- NFB. and several of us got off at a pier down in the Bahamas, and we were walking up the pier, and one of the girls just for some reason just went. You know, 45 degrees off the port, just oh. turned and started walking toward the water. I don't know why, where she was going. And all these people were going, stop, stop, stop. And we all stopped and turned. And, and she turned and came back to where we were at and it was funny because all the blind people just looked at each other and went, what happened? And they said, oh, she was heading toward the water. And we were all, we all said the same thing about, oh, the cane would have found it. She'd have been all right.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know,
2: because when the cane dropped off, she would have gone, oh, oh stop, wait a minute, why did that happen? <laughs>
1: same with subways, uh, I guess. Subway they, platforms. They have those bumps and then, yeah. now and they, yeah. they try to tell you because people yeah. have fallen. and But sighted people can too if they're not paying attention. But I guess yeah. some people maybe haven't been on a pier. They don't realize a pier is a long, straight, thin walkway out into the water. What?
2: and then you have the the guide dog hazards i was thinking about when we were talking a little while ago being a tall person mm-hmm. with a dog that didn't train with tall people mm-hmm. <laughs> so she she would hit my head on tree limbs and things all the time yeah. and and i asked my trainer i said why does she keep running me into things and as I said, he and I picked on each other a lot, the Texan and the New Yorker. And, and he said, Well, she's never worked with anybody as tall and fat as you are, Kyle. <laughs> and I was like, That's not sweet, Pete. That was not nice. And, and, and what it bad. was is the trainers, the trainers were all small ladies. They were they're, mm-hmm. they're small people. And so she had no idea that there were people this tall. And so she, no, I don't know where the fat part came in. I don't think he was just yeah, being me. But, but, uh, but she, that in there. yeah, he just threw that in. As a, and I, I got it back at him at his retirement thing. I recorded a, a video to send to him for his retirement. And they played it in front of everybody, and everybody said it was so funny when I brought that story up. <laughs> but, uh, but she, she would walk me into limbs, and I'd, I would stop and do as we were trained to do. I'd stop, you know, back her up. Let's get back over here, sit. Now I'd grab the limb, shake it and go, Hey, look at this up here. And she would look up and I'd go, don't do that again. Don't walk me into that. Mm-hmm. So I'd let go of the limb and then say forward and she would walk up and then stop right under that limb and go, okay, now I know it's yeah. up there. You know, yeah. so that constant training of the guide dog, you know, you're still training. I was still training her when she was 12, you know,
0: of course. and she was yeah. training me.
2: She was training me too.
0: And yeah. that's just it. I mean, it's Maybe. like the, the trainers obviously do a lot of the training in the beginning, but then once you're matched with, with the, 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 Person who's, who's taking the dog, then then they do you train as you go because, like you said, it it you no have matter to how keep they keep up, keep up. Yeah, things. it's like anything. Even if no matter how much training you've done before with the dog, you give it to their owner. The owners there's still going to be certain situations that are different in that in that case, and it's it's an ongoing, and that's why that bond is Thanks. so strong because you're constantly working together. But then you have obviously playtime as well, and it's just like a regular pet. So it's mm-hmm. yeah. she, she uh, we're
2: famous for getting in arguments. Human, I would get in arguments at street corners. And uh, they they just laugh at Fidelco about us because I would get to a street corner in downtown Little Rock, and I'd say forward. And then she would pull to the left and go, no, we're going to go down this way.
3: Mm. And
2: I go, no, you're not. And I go, get back over here. Now, we're going forward. Ready? Okay, let's go forward. She goes, no, we're going to go to the left. And I'm like, no, we're not going to the left. And we would stand there and miss a cycle of, of green lights <laughs> because we're having an argument at Battle the intersection of, the of what – yeah, yeah. She's like, no, we're going this way, and I'm like, no. And you have these two alphas, these two people commanding. You know, the dog and the guy are both kind of bossy people, and we're both like, no. They were so well matched. I mean, we were just so perfectly matched because we both had this attitude. You know, we're like, no, look, we're going this way. No, Mister Kyle, we're going this way. You know, I know where we're going. We're going to that place where the grass is at, so I can pee. It's quicker to go this way. i right. We're not going for quick. We're going the way I want to go. Communicate <laughs> w-
1: why they are trying to go the other way because yeah. sometimes they're trying to I warn go, you. Look. Sometimes they're trying to warn you to not cross. There could be Something there, mm-hmm. so it's sometimes hard to. And that's the thing
2: things. you have to that that uh, what do they call it. Um, um, oh, they they have a term for it. I can't pull it out right now. The disobedience where they they, they disobey your command because they're protecting you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you you give a yeah. uh, you give a forward command and the dog goes Mm-mm, no, mm-hmm. and then right then a car goes by and you go oh <laughs> man I didn't know that car was coming.
1: And that's where it especially with my hearing
2: and she was on my left. I worked her right. on my left like most guide dogs, and that's right. my deaf side. Mm-hmm. And so she was my left ear. And so uh, a lot of times if someone said something to me, I can't tell where the sound came from. And I would put my hand on her head. Well, she would be looking at whoever said something because that's a shepherd trait, you know. Uh And so she would turn and look and I knew where the person was at because I knew where human was looking. So she helped me with that part too. Uh So. I don't know. You know, I'm here. I'm walking around with a cane, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm moving so slow." You know, yeah, <laughs> I'm going but, so slow.
0: And that's just it. You get used to a certain things, and that's why, even for me now, I can't quite a- imagine what it would be like because I've had the cane, been using the cane for over ten years now. And yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to.
2: I have so many know. canes. I didn't realize how many I have. Now I was <laughs> like, "Man, what is it? I got like eight canes. What are these?" And I got these really tall ones, and I got the little short ones. You know, and I'm like, "Which one of these?" It's, it's kind of like. Deciding what I'm going to do that day depends on what kind of cane I'm going to take with me. And uh, so I'm I'm back in the cane user world now, and I'm kind of like, oh man, I got to learn how to do this again.
1: A little bit, Um, yeah. But it
2: it was great. And I, I, I still. I'm a big fan of guide dogs, and uh, I think it, I think a blind person should take that leap once in their life if they're up to it. But if you're Make not it. up to it, don't do it because that dog's right. Life it's it, like having yeah. kids.
1: If you don't want kids, don't have them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not good for that, anybody. Don't just try that it out dog, just to see.
2: Uh-huh. But that dog had one purpose on this world was to be that guide dog for you. Mm -hmm. and and that's a that's a life span of a creature that was dedicated to you and
1: and like you say there are bat there are ones that are are have some behavior Mm -hmm. issues because of how they might have been trained but a certain Mm -hmm. dog won't end up as a guide dog if they don't want to be because you in the end you can't force all that through if if they're if Mm -hmm. they'd be fighting all the way it wouldn't be up for them so you know not every guide dog
2: they're good at uh, career uh, repurposing them, you know. If they mm-hmm. if they don't make it through the training right, they a lot of them become like the German Shepherds. A lot of them become police dogs, right? And mm-hmm. then and then uh, and then all the breeds, you know, they can become service animals of different types. I've seen where they've become uh, arson sniffing dogs for like fire departments. Uh, I think one was out in Oregon or something. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it where uh, they they also become sometimes maybe just a comfort animal for like a veteran or something. You know, they they have a, mm-hmm. they have that long list of people ready to adopt a was a guide dog that didn't make it through school and uh, i was on an airplane and a guy you and i were on a flight we probably flew 50 times together and we were on a flight by ourselves and this guy leaned over across the aisle and said oh my god i can't believe i've got a guide dog guy here i need to ask you something he said we adopted a guide dog in new york and he said i have a lab and i have the guide dog lab and he said the guide dog won't drink water the, the other lab just drinks water nonstop, but the guide dog it's hard to get her to drink water do they train them to not drink water and I was like yeah <laughs> exactly that's why I said, because you can't be walking down the street and have your dog just stop to look out of a puddle you know and so you actually have to tell the dog to eat or drink a lot of times, and even then sometimes they're they're hard to feed sometimes. And he he, he plugged me for, he, that whole flight, he kept asking me all these questions about guide dog training, and I, as I did tell him, I'm just a handler, I'm not a yeah, trainer. Yeah, he don't know everything, <laughs> but,
0: he <laughs> <laughs> will assume, I you know. have this, you must know every single thing. And-
2: but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not the world's greatest expert on this. There's other people that that's their actual job. You know? wow. <laughs> but flying, I, I'm kind of glad now because the planes are so much less space now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the the your knee space and stuff. They've sh- I've been reading some journal articles in the travel industry about how they're ordering planes with less and less leg space, mm-hmm. and there's no place mm-hmm. for her anymore. says she, she would not fit anymore. I couldn't get her on a plane. You know, she was 75 pounds, and 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 I'm not small, and the two of us together was tough to fly sometimes. When she was young, she would back under the seat in front of me and she could really flatten out and become a tiny thing. But uh, as an older dog, that was not going to work. And uh, Plus, I didn't want to make her not not relieve herself for so long, like flying across the country or something. They do now have yeah. relief stations in a lot of airports, though.
1: Yeah, I've heard different stories of, of the quality of those, yeah. but of course. Well,
2: you also have all these people with the fake service dogs. Yeah. Uh, so you, you you may get mauled by a by a service pomeranian a or something while you're. And that's just it. <laughs> I mean, it's like
0: anything in life that you take on. There there comes with responsibility, and the, but it also comes with difficulties, and especially being in the times we're in. And you know, obviously throughout time, there's always been things, but it just does seem like these days I'm hearing more and more about people getting discriminated against with dogs and it's like anything that comes with its goods and bads and it's in some ways like you talk about too fitting them in a small space like it's nice in a way to get on a bus and not have to worry about where, am I, where I'm going to put the dog And how, but my dog was quite small so she was able to kind of squeeze in anywhere like you said there about the dog when it's younger yeah. but uh But yeah, just so much, so much to cover. I mean, we're speaking today with Kyle Kuyper calling from West Arkansas. It's, you know, we have a few minutes left here, but there's just so many topics we can talk about. And we definitely want to have you on again sometime too, if you are up for it, because I just think you're a great guest and it's really just awesome to to connect and talk about so many things here today.
2: Well, in the travel thing, a question I get asked a lot is how did, how did you become a travel agent? Right, and and a lot of blind people ask me that because um, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they like to travel. Well, I thought about and becoming a travel about,
1: blogger once. <laughs> that's also yeah. Hard well, to that's use. a
2: big deal. That is a big deal. The, yeah. I, I joke that the cruise lines have, have pocketed a lot of bonuses because they don't pay for advertising as much as they used to because they have all these bloggers right. all over the mm, advertising for them. And and but the happy uh, um, to do it. Yeah, <laughs> and and. Um, And what I tell them is something that I've been trying to teach for 20 years as a rehabilitation counselor, is that sometimes you got to work for free before you can have the job that you get paid. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is when I came back from England, um, I was waiting on my grades to follow me back from over there. Their grading system and the U.S. grading system do not like each other. It was really weird. I never could figure out if I had good grades or not because I couldn't understand their grading system. (laughs) They were like, oh, you got a 4.25. And I was like, is that good? And they go, oh, that's quite good. And I was like, but what's really good? And they're like, well, you can do a little better, but you can do worse. And I was like, nobody ever explained it to me. I didn't understand. And, and so I came back and I was waiting on my grades and I went to a local travel agency. Um, my wife said that she met this lady that ran the travel agency and she was looking for some help. And I said, if I work for you for free, will you teach me the travel industry? Mm. And she was like, yeah, sure, I'll take And Plus I knew Europe. I had just come back from Europe and she didn't know much about Europe. And so I would be her okay. Europe person. Okay. And so I worked for a year for free as an apprentice travel agent, basically. Oh, really? And learned okay. the industry. And, and so, um, and then I was able to, I tried it on my own to have my own agency for a little while. And then I learned real quick that you're too small. You got to be bigger. Uh, so yeah. we became cru- Cruises Incorporate, Incorporated agents. And we worked with Cruises Incorporated for almost 20 years. And then a couple of years a uh, couple of years ago, we went to a full franchise of Dream Vacations franchise. So now we do everything, not just cruises, everything. And, um, wow. I I, uh, I ran it while I was in graduate school. Um, I would go to school um, all night, and I would go to work all day, and I stay in the office sometimes for days on end, going to school and running the travel agency at the same time. Yeah, and, yeah it's, um, it's- you got. You got to put that effort in. You, you know? do it
0: all. Sure. It's all about finding a way in, and like you say, just trying to. If it's something you really want, you do have to kind of start out and get in the any way you can, even if it is for free for a while. And then you have knowledge that that the person that you're you're helping out might not have. And then eventually, you build and build, and and you might the opportunity might hit. So it is all about stamina and keeping in the in it and doing what you want to do and just not giving up. And it's. Uh, It's it's very uh, it's an ongoing thing, but I really appreciate coming on here today, Kyle. And uh, we're gonna wrap
1: our condolences for sure on yeah,
0: definitely the condolences there for the for the guide dog. Thanks
1: for sharing some of that memory. And
0: uh, yeah, we really appreciated having you on today. Thank you very much. Send us an email. Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.